Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the sacrificial offerings as we pick up in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. As we get into Leviticus, we get into the various offerings and the method by which they were to be offered unto the Lord. It is um, getting into a system that is very foreign to us because it is, uh, it's the covenant that has now been set aside that God might establish a better covenant with us. This covenant of the sacrifice of the animals could never make anything perfect. But all it could do was to point ahead to that sacrifice that was to be offered, whereby we could be brought into full perfection before the Lord. Paul tells the Ephesians that they are to be followers of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So Christ was more than just our sin offering. He was also the sweet savor offering. Now, the offerings that were given to the Lord were divided into the sweet savor offerings and the sin offerings. There were three basic sweet savor offerings. And we'll be talking about these in more detail, but there was the burnt offering, which was the consecration. There was the meal offering, which is translated in your Bibles, meat, but it should be meal offering because it was made of fine flour and oil. And that was a sacrifice of service unto God. And then there was the peace offering, which was the fellowship and communion with God. Those were the sweet savor offerings. Then we had the two sin offerings, one the sin offering and the other the trespass offering, and we'll be noting the difference in those two as we move through the text. It is important to notice that in verse 3 of Leviticus chapter 1, that any sacrifice or offering that you offered unto the Lord had to be of one's own voluntary will. Man exercised his own free will when he left fellowship with God. It is necessary that man exercise his own free will to return to fellowship with God. And so the own voluntary will is something that God requires. God does not force you to love him. God does not force you to serve him. God does not force you to give to him. It must be something of your own voluntary will. And in the sacrifices, when it was an animal sacrifice, there was always the laying of your head upon the sacrifice before the slaying of it. And that laying of your hand upon the sacrifice, the head of the sacrifice, was in essence a transference of yourself uh, so that the animal was dying in your stead. 
In the case of the sin or trespass offerings, it was the laying of your hand upon the head of the animal in order that your guilt and your sin might be transferred onto the animal, and thus it was slain for your sins. In the case of the burnt offering, your consecration, again, the laying on of hand was the symbolizing of the animal is taking my place as a complete offering unto God, a total consecration unto him. The word atonement in verse 4, the latter portion there, to make atonement for him, it is important that we distinguish between the word atonement in the Old Testament and the word atonement in the New Testament. For in the Old Testament, the word atonement comes from the Hebrew word kofar, which means to cover. Now, it was impossible that the blood of bulls or goats could put away our sins. They never put away sins for anybody. But they did make a covering for sin so that the guilt of the person was covered, but it wasn't put away. So the word atonement in the Old Testament usage out of Hebrew from the word kofar is actually a covering. And kofar, you can think of kofar or cover. It's actually our word cover comes pretty much from it. A kofar for the sins, a covering. In the New Testament, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our sins were put away by his sacrifice once and for all. So the new covenant that God has established through Jesus Christ is far superior as you get into the old covenant here and all of the various sacrifices, how grateful we should be for that sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us, whereby this old relationship with God is no longer valid, but has been invalidated by the new covenant in Jesus Christ. The purpose of all of the sacrifices, the purpose of the covenant, was that God might establish a basis whereby you can have fellowship with him. When God created man, it was in the heart and mind of God to create man in order that God might fellowship with man. But in order to fellowship, and the word means oneness, in order for me to have a oneness with God, I must be obedient to the will of God. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can I really walk with God unless I'm in agreement? I cannot have real fellowship with God unless I'm in agreement with God. And so God creating man for the purpose of fellowship, that fellowship with God was broken early there in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed the commandment of God. And with the entrance of sin, there came a broken fellowship with God. Now, man alienated from God, God sought to restore him to fellowship. But the law of God had been violated. And God said, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. In the day that thou eatest thereof, God said, thou shalt surely die. So here is the 
law that is broken and the penalty that is there hanging. And for God to restore man into fellowship with him, something had to be done about the law. And thus God established in the Old Testament this system of sacrifices where the animal became your substitute and where the animal was slain for you. As we said, the laying on of hands, the transference of yourself to the animal, and then the animal dying in your place, it became your substitute, and through the death of the animal, your sin was covered, and you could have fellowship with God until you sinned again. And then you had to bring another animal. And so unless you were very wealthy and had a big herd, you were really out of trouble, in trouble, you know as far as a continued fellowship with God. Now, that covenant failed to bring man into a full, complete fellowship with God. What it did do was point forward to that day when God would send His only begotten Son to be as a lamb sacrificed for our sins. So Peter said, we are redeemed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold from our vain manner of living, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who was slain as a lamb without spot or blemish. So as we study these sacrifices, we must realize that they were all of them just fingers pointing ahead to Jesus Christ. They were saying, we're not it. We can't do it. But there is one who is coming who will. And they are all pointing man to the perfect sacrifice that God was to offer when Jesus Christ was crucified and went before the Father to make atonement. Now, the word atonement in the New Testament is to make one with, or the koinonia, the idea of fellowship. Now I have become one with God through Jesus Christ, His blood, having now atoned or making possible atonement for my sin in order that I might now have this beautiful fellowship with God. So as we get into the offerings, chapter 1 deals with the burnt offering. Now the burnt offering was a offering of consecration. If I wish to really consecrate my life completely to God, I would signify this desire of total consecration by bringing an ox to the priest, laying my hand upon the head of the ox, slaying it, the priest taking the blood in, and putting it on the horns of the altar. And then the ox was to be burnt entirely. The whole thing was to be consumed on the altar as a sweet-smelling savor unto God, that neat smell of barbecue beef. As the smoke arises and ascends upward, it becomes a sweet-smelling savor unto God. But the whole thing was to be burnt 
in the fire and totally consumed by the fire. Be speaking the fact that my consecration to God needs to be a total consecration, not holding back any area for myself. One of the problems today is the incomplete consecration of so many lives. We hold back so many areas from God. But God wants really, if we are to consecrate ourselves to him, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you'll present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, and God wants you to present yourself totally, completely to him, not reserving, not holding back anything for yourself, but a total consecration. Now, you could use an ox, you could use a sheep, or if you were poor, you could use turtle doves for this offering. In chapter 2, the next offering that we have is the meal offering. And this they would take the fine flour, mix it with oil and frankincense and make up a dough that they would put on the fire to more or less bake unto the Lord. Now, these things bespeak the work of man's hands. I'm bringing flour, mixing it with oil. Where did I get the flour? I had to till the soil. I had to plant the seed. I had to harvest the seed. I had to thresh the seed. I had to grind the seed uh, into flour itself. And so it was the work of my hands. I picked the olives and put them in the olive press and got the oil. It was the work of my hands. So I am offering to God in the meal offering here, I am offering to God my service, dedicating the work of my hands unto God, giving unto God my service. And thus this meal offering again was a sweet-smelling savor and what smells better than home-baked bread? You know, and that smell of, of bread baking is always just a great smell. And when we were kids uh, in Ventura, just a block and a half from the church, on Sunday nights there was a bakery that would bake bread. And, oh, we, we were overcome by the neat aroma. We would go up and, and buy a quarter pound of butter and, and get a loaf of bread right off the rack as it was coming out of the oven. So hot you had to, you know, juggle it from hand to hand and break the thing in two and drop the butter down in and eat it. You know, I, in those days I didn't worry about weight. I was running so much that uh, ran the thing off at all. Boy, I'll tell you that it's the smell of home-baked bread is really great. And the idea is that of, again, that it might be a pleasant odor unto the Lord. It might arise as a pleasant aroma before him and an offering to God. Here it is, Lord, the, my service. I'm giving now my, my labor unto you. I'm offering you myself as a servant to do your work. And thus was the significance of this meal offering the idea 
was the offering unto God, the work of my hands, as service unto the Lord. And so uh, in chapter 2, it deals with this meal offering. Now, there were two things that were never to be mixed with the flour. One was leaven, and the other was honey. The leaven, of course, always through the Scripture is a type of sin. And thus it was never to be mixed. And it, it causes putrefaction. Actually, or it causes a decay is what leaven does. And honey also can have that same effect. But honey really represents a natural sweetness. Now, some of you are naturally sweet. But it's interesting, that doesn't buy you any points with God. It is only that sweetness that comes from him that is acceptable. And so honey or leaven were two forbidden uh, additions to these little loaves of bread. But there was one thing that it had to always be offered with salt because salt has the opposite effect of putrefaction. Salt was used in those days as a preservative and, of course, as a, to make things really more tasty. If you forget to put salt in your rolls, you'll find they taste very flat. Potatoes without salt can be very flat. And so the salt was to give the flavor. And it is, being a preservative, they were to use salt in the meal offerings but never the leaven or the honey. And again, the idea is offering to God service, giving to God my life to serve Him, offering Him the work of my hands. Now, the final of the sweet savor offerings was the peace offering. And again, this could be the ox, or, or, or the, it actually, it could be out of the herd. It could be a cow also. It had to be without blemish. It could be from the flock, a lamb. Or, again, if you are poor, it could be a turtle dove. But this is the offering of communion and fellowship with God. In this offering a part of it would be returned to you to eat. And thus, the idea was, here, God, I have given this to you, and part of it is burned. That's for God. But then part of it is given back to me, that I might sit down and eat of it so that I am actually fellowshipping with God Eating together with God is the idea. God is eating part of it. I am eating part of it. I am becoming part with God. And it was called the peace offering. But it was that of fellowship with God, the idea of eating together with God. It is interesting in the New Testament how often Jesus sought to eat with people. In fact, 
the last message of Jesus to the church in the Lord's epistle to the church, what was his very last message? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat supper with him. Because the Lord always enjoyed eating with people. It spoke to them in their culture of the deepest possible fellowship. When we ate together, we were entering into such a deep fellowship that we were actually becoming a part of each other. Because in those days, it was really family style. You have the big old leg of lamb out there and you, you don't have utensils. Your fingers are your utensils. And so you reach out and you grab and pull off a piece of the meat and your friend reaches in and grabs a piece of the meat. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Leviticus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Leviticus 1 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May God really begin a powerful work in your life. May the Spirit of the Lord just really rest heavy upon you. May God make you effective in your witness for Him. May your life be like a light shining in a dark place, that others might be drawn to that light and find the source of the light, even Jesus. So God bless you and give you a rich week in fellowship with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today.
Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.